The good news is, you don't have to figure it out on your own. If you're looking for truth, inspiration, and tips for success in the classroom and beyond, you're in the right place. It's time to turn the page to the future of the profession. This is the next chapter for Teachers Podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Erin Spinagle, and thank you for listening to Episode 17 of the Next Chapter for Teachers podcast. So I took an extended break. I was down to one year left to complete my doctorate, so I had to choose what my focus was going to be and just primarily work on that in my free time, even though I like to have a few more things going on. But that's finished, and now I'm ready to get back to delivering content to you on this podcast. So let's get started where we left off. As mentioned in my previous episode on things that kept me from quitting teaching, one of the top five changes I made was how I graded. Grading papers and projects, assessing students in general, takes a lot of time and energy. It's kind of the side hustle, if you will, of being a teacher. You teach the kids when they're in your presence, and then often after they've gone for the day, or you're on your planning, if you have a planning, you're left with the task of reviewing and providing feedback on their work. It's the never-ending story, it seems. It takes up a lot of your life and energy, especially when that energy has to be expended on getting students to turn work in, and students and parents who aren't necessarily happy with the grades that they earn when it's all over with. That is the reality of it, and I believe in being positive, but I'm also a realist. In restructuring and creating shifts in our thinking about grading have a great impact on your outlook about being able to stay in the classroom. So, let's unpack this by taking a few steps back. Why do we grade, and what do those grades represent? Grades are meant to, emphasis on meant to, show student progress and be a snapshot of their performance in that moment in time. Ideally, that report of progress through the grades includes feedback, but in the essence of time and with all the other things teachers are tasked with doing, just speaking from my own experience, that doesn't always happen as much or as effectively as it should. So that letter, number, percentage, what's it worth? As a teacher, you may feel as if your success or effectiveness is tied to your students' grades. When they don't do well, you may feel it's a failure on your part. Or maybe you're frustrated that your students don't value the need to not just do their best so they can truly show what they know, but just getting them to turn the work in so you can grade it. To me, that was possibly the most distressing, just getting them to turn it in. There's also the stigma of what a bad or poor grade on something means. Some kids and parents deeply internalize it when they don't do well. And there goes your teaching stress through the roof because the finger points at you for the child's lack of success in their eyes. The honor student mentality, if you will. It's hard, in fact, it's near impossible sometimes to get across to others that grades only show so much or just one side of who a child is and what they know that the world really isn't about to implode over this one moment in time where you earned a C-. And it also has become quite the battle, even more so perhaps in the aftermath of the pandemic, 
to get students to complete work on time, to find that balance between not taking the final outcome or grade so seriously, but also having the work ethic to just complete the task at hand. So what are the answers? What, what's the answer key for dealing with grading? I don't have them all, unfortunately, but I do have a few tips for dealing with the stress that comes along with grading. So let's talk about the three things that we can control. The first thing that I did was look at how much and what I was grading. So you might have a set number of grades that you have to take per term or per subject, but do you go way up beyond that in order to give your students enough chances in order to do their best? Instead of doing as much as you can, focus on the quality of assignments that you give that are tied to skills and standards that you need to teach and less on getting a certain quota of grades. Because a high volume of grades, while maybe it appears to be, doesn't always equal a higher amount of learning. Use what you gain from monitoring student learning formatively to gauge their performance, engage what they need next, instead of creating extra work for yourself and for them. So before we go any further, though, I want to give a few opinions that I have personally on extra credit. I used to tell my students that I didn't know what that was because I did not give it. Grades are supposed to be a snapshot of what you know in a moment of time. So padding a grade, at least to me, with extra credit that creates extra work for the teacher sets a precedent that just snowballs because then everybody wants it. So not having the option of extra credit just makes it that much more important to do your best. And also, I would gladly give extra practice if requested by a parent, even if it's self-checking, but I was not willing to give a grade boost because judges would create a lot more extra work when there's already plenty for me to do. And for the kids to do too. So the next thing is to automate as much as possible. To me, this can mean a few things. One, how can you use the technology that you have and the programs that you have available to you to create assignments that can be automatically graded? And sure, you might still need to provide feedback and direction, but things that you can eliminate being physically done by you, even if it's some work up front, can save you more time in the long term. And another aspect of automating, if you will, is having ways for students to check their own work. This might depend on the age of your students, and sometimes it may also depend on the maturity and trust level of your class or your classes, because some students, I know, may not be able to handle doing this. But if you can, this allows them to see their results faster than waiting for you to grade their work, and it saves you an extra step. And the third thing is, my favorite word, boundaries, especially around accepting student work way past the due date. Having set days that you grade, or perhaps set days when you grade certain things, can help you balance out the time that you have to do other things in the classroom or do other things that are teaching related. You can also have a set day or time that you will upload the grades to make them available for your students to view. Along with that is drawing a line regarding when you're going to take work. And there may be rules about this that you can't control within your school or district, but if you can, you've got to put some boundaries down as far as when you are willing to take work and when late it's too late. This is just my opinion, but I feel when students know there's a deadline, that if they don't make this deadline, the consequence is going to affect, 
there is more heat on for them to turn things in when they are due. And like I said, you may not be able to do that. But sometimes when the harsh reality of a 0% hits them, it's enough to make them try harder to adhere to the rules next time. Make sure you communicate these boundaries, by the way, to students and parents about when you grade, when they can expect grades uploaded, and ultimately what the consequences are for not turning in work. And I know what you might be thinking, because I thought about this too as I was putting this together. If they don't do the work, how can you assess their progress? Well, that is an unfortunate reality, but it makes it all that more important for us to expect our students to turn things in when they're due. And lastly, as a just a bonus tip here, what do we do about parents and caregivers and their expectations for what grade should represent regarding their child? I would recommend listening to episode seven on the next chapter for teachers podcast about parent communication, because many of the things detailed there about setting boundaries and monitoring the emotions that come about can be applied to communicating about grades. The most important thing, though, is to keep conversations about grades tied to student learning and to student responsibility. It's about what they have shown progress-wise and their effort to reasonably complete their work. So to recap, the three things that you can do to make grading less of an albatross. One, look at how much you grade and why. Tie your graded assignments to skills and standards and cut the extra chances and the extra credit. Number two, automate grades as much as possible so that the computer and your students can meet you halfway on calculating their grades. Third, set boundaries, days when you grade, times when you'll post grades, and deadlines for when you will accept assignments. Make sure to communicate these with students and their caregivers so the expectations are clear. Grading does take a lot of time and giving feedback is important to the learning process, but it shouldn't overrule your life or your time in the classroom. So work on streamlining and keeping the focus on student progress and work ethic so you can use your time and talents to teach and to live your life. That's all for this episode of the Next Chapter for Teachers podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave a review. Join us next time when we turn the page to the future of the profession. Until then, remember to be different, but more importantly, be the difference. And I'll see you in the next chapter.